0: Hello and welcome to In A Different League, the official podcast of the original fantasy football game. We're your hosts, me Chris Pilau
1: and me Jesse Parker-Humphreys.
0: And here's what's coming up on this week's show.
1: We take stock after the first FA Cup round of the fantasy league season and look ahead to the first of two winter break half Premier League game weeks.
0: Christopher Boyce and Mark Hawthorne join us to tell us about the popularity of the game in Northern Ireland which led them to form two emergency leagues this season.
1: And Neil Mansfield joins us with all the usual business updates, news, explanations and everything that puts us in a different league.
0: Okay, so Jesse, the FA Cup, the greatest trophy in all the land and all the world, of the oldest at least. And we're perhaps the worst people because people criticise the broadcasters and the media for only concentrating and focusing on the Premier League games, the Premier League fixtures. But I'm afraid that's how it works in fancy league land, doesn't it? How was your FA Cup weekend with a slight skew towards the Premier League, obviously?
1: I feel like maybe we should put a request in to Neil so you can get sort of like a wild card Maidstone player to add to your fantasy league team during the FA Cup. Um, I I had a very good week. Um, I had the best week sort of I'd had in in a long time. And not that I don't want to be focusing on the FA Cup, I just think because I was doing so well in the actual league and then started doing so badly, I was sort of sat there being like, oh, fine, you managed to get me all these points now. Where were you when it mattered over Christmas? Um, but I got 19. I was leading for much of the weekend. Um, and I guess, of course, obviously, there there is still a game to go as we record. So it's yes. possible I could still go back top. Um, but uh, the Arsenal-Liverpool game um, did me in and, and sent Chris Johnson top of, of FA Cup. But I got 19 points. Um, interestingly enough, I got a lot of... I, I relied mainly on players' sort of double scoring So I had Matty Cash and Pedro Porro. Obviously, both got goals and clean sheets. Of course. And then Julian Alvarez was my other big scorer with a goal and assist. But I don't think things were quite so bright over at Pilau Towers.
0: No, they weren't. But it's OK. You know, I've I've had to rely on... I think I mentioned last week I've had to rely a bit on the FA Cup the last couple of seasons. Um, But I don't need it. It's a distraction. You know, and maybe it's a sign a lot of my players weren't playing. Deemed too important, perhaps, to play in these games... Then in the league, well, I just sort of sat back and watched, really, as my players got five in total. Uh, and that was because of João Pedro alone and Ben White just knocking one point off his six-point score. So <laughs> not too much to go on for me. I was able to enjoy uh, the games, uh, those involving Premier League teams and not. Did um,
1: you go to Crystal Palace, Everton? No, I didn't. Because that was dull.
0: (laughs) I'm really glad I didn't. Mainly from, it was the weather which motivated me not to, uh, confirmed that I shouldn't have, and so did. It was quite, it was all right to watch it on TV, uh, because then I could just get involved in watching the whole big debate about the Calvert-Lewin red card, which would have affected a lot of um, fantasy league managers. And actually, I almost half-celebrated that. Well, I did more than half-celebrate a red card. I went into that game, Everton Palace, telling other people in my league how much I wanted. I, I, I feel really, I'm wincing saying this on a podcast to, to the public. I shouldn't be saying it, but I really wanted Lewin to get injured, like a oh. really bad injury in that. <laughs> Just so that I could see Beto play. Because I've got Beto and he never never comes on. I was like, he should be starting this game. So actually the fact that Cavalewin got a, got a suspension and if it gets upheld, maybe that's the best case scenario because I do like Calvert-Lewin and I wouldn't want to wish an injury on anyone, even though I did. So especially someone I'm so injury prone.
1: Now... I was going to say, you can normally rely on Calvert-Lewin to pick up an injury not this having season. to wish it on him.
0: <laughs> not this season. So now Beto will finally get his chance. And although one of those games will be in the FA Cup, but we'll have to see. But the FA cup's not really for me this year Already it's, written it's, it off. would you it's After really easy one. to do that i think I think you can because I think I said last last week that last season I started off really really well. I got like thirty plus points in the first round third round first round um and it was really clear because in our league like fifty sixty points is what you need to win the FA Cup, so I'd done most of the work in that first round. And now, I mean, I'm bottom, having only got um, five points this week. Um, I'm bottom of our table in the FA Cup and the leader is on 25. So you're not really going to claw that back, I don't think. Although a lot of Premier League teams have stayed in the FA Cup. Mm. It's just Arsenal have been knocked out so far, isn't
1: it? Yeah, and obviously a couple of replays coming up. There's Brentford Wolves and Palace Everton, obviously, both being all Premier League ties that ended in draws. Luton drew as well, didn't they? So they've got a replay. Forrest drew, they've got a replay. West Ham have a replay. So, I mean, in some ways that's quite interesting. That's there's good a for big, Fantasy League. There's a big chunk of um, players, although I can't say I've got many players from those teams that are going to sort of get an extra game. But yeah, the arsenal Liverpool game, I guess, was the obvious one where... One team was going to go who was going to be a, a side who have a lot of players. And this is always the thing with, with the FA Cup, isn't it? That, you know, if if the bigger teams do end up going out earlier, you can sort of end up really with the dregs of your, your main squad participating. But at the same time, that Liverpool Arsenal result was... It's kind of fascinating, right? Because it feels like it has implications for the league as well.
0: It did. Um, it also had, I mean, it had massive implications on Arsenal and people looking at Arsenal in that the way that Arsenal were playing and creating loads of chances and not scoring them, the price of Ivan Toni was going up as every minute passed in that game. I think that's the big sort of um, talking point during and after the game now. The fact that Arteta kind of finds himself quite in a similar position to a lot of fancy league, some fancy league managers could find themselves in throughout the season. And that's if goals aren't coming your way and maybe money is at a, Relative squeeze. Don't really know the financial situation with Arsenal, whether they can drop loads on Ivan Tony's suggestion is that they can't. But if you are after a striker and say you're just looking in your league, I'm not saying that Arsenal are doing that, but trying to do this uh, tie in to, to Fantasy League. <laughs> but where do you go? And if, you've, if you do, as a Fantasy League manager, if you do have like a Solanke or an Ivan Tony, who would you rather they play for? Would you rather that Ivan Tony plays for Brentford or would you rather that Ivan Tony plays for Arsenal? Because basically, it the other thing about this, I mean, Arsenal, their XG is like you know, I think it's called one goal from like six plus XG. Yeah. Arteta said after the game yesterday, you know, that they deserve to win, but you don't. Another like another parallel you can draw with fantasy league. Um, it tells you that all of that sort of thing is bollocks, really, because all you really need is goals and assists in <laughs> fantasy league, and you need goals. Uh, as an Arsenal fan but if you are an, so yeah if you're an Arsenal owner or if you're an Arsenal fan in the real world or if you own Arsenal players in the fantasy league world should you be concerned about this
1: yeah I mean it's interesting I think obviously you're right to say that you don't deserve to win just because you had the better chances but as someone who leans underlying towards numbers having a statistician <laughs> hat on at some point those chances do start going in things start to swing back your way so I think, actually, from a fantasy league perspective, Arsenal's problem is, if you're if you're the real team, you can't change what has already happened. You're out of the FA Cup. You're five points behind Liverpool in the league. But if you're in a fantasy league world, that stuff doesn't actually matter to you, right? All that matters is that, you know, that stuff might start to swing back the other way. And even the flip side, like, things might start to go your way. I thought this in the... The Chelsea Luton game, where Chelsea scored three goals from like absolutely tiny chances, conceded loads of chances to Luton. Like Luton deserved to win that game. But Chelsea had had so many the other way that I was like, this is exactly sort of like the luck scenario that you talk Mm -hmm. about, where over a course of a season, some games don't go your way and some games do. And as long as you've got more where they're going your way than not, and and you've got the numbers that are sort of going to helpfully push things in your favour in that sense that's going to work out better for you. Um, I think the problem with the Arsenal stuff, though, is that you can tell that for all Mikel is standing there and being like, we deserve to win, we're creating these good chances, that he's sort of freaking out about it all. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, that's that feels like behind the decision to play... Havertz as a nine. And I, I know some of it's like a bit of rotation, like I don't think anyone's thinking like Reese Nelson's gonna be like the long term option on the left instead of Martinelli. But all of that stuff I think indicates that for all of that it potentially is a little bit of luck. It's also in Arteta's head that there's maybe more to it than that. And that then becomes a bit more unpredictable from fantasy league point of view because I don't know, do you go for Havertz when he might be playing as a nine? He might get good chances, he might even score, but or he might be playing as that left sided eight again and that, that for me, is the, the element where sometimes then you want to stay clear of it.
0: OK, yeah, and I was going to reframe the question, what does your dad think about having Kai Havertz? <laughs> <laughs> and, but also, which you can also kind of see in the, what was happening at Liverpool, is kind of like the opposite, because we spoke last week, the fact that Salah is going, they're going to have to change things up, they're losing their, you know, their best player, potentially, but certainly their best scorer, their best points scorer in Fantasy League as well. And, I mean, they're forced into making decisions with like in, Klopp is fought into making new decisions as opposed to sort of moving the same chess pieces around and we've said last week how he might be pushing Harvey Elliott forward he did for a bit it then looked like that he kind of changed things around a bit he's going to use Luis Diaz uh, certainly as kind of like a winger and then kind of like seeing what you do with Nunes but then kind of Nunes who's in a similar position of like getting in these positions and not scoring the goals it doesn't matter if you're if you are scoring those goals really so so, yeah, those two questions, really. What does your dad think about Kai Havertz? But also, would you be more comfortable owning Liverpool attackers than Arsenal attackers? It's very easy to say after they've just beaten Arsenal 2-0 yesterday. But I think the answer is yes. There's a there's a bigger spread and the way that they're playing. Whereas you're right, it does look like Arteta's panicking a bit. Arsenal look like they're starting to panic a bit. It's very reactive to say this, but there is a, there was a clear difference between the way the two teams were taking their chances yesterday.
1: Yeah, although obviously Arsenal created a tonne of more chances. And I think also this sums it up. On my dad, briefly, I note that he's got Gabby Jesus and Kai Havertz, which feels like Arsenal proofing his team. Um, Not that it's working out very well for them. But I think this also then comes back to thinking about how the two two managers want their teams to play. And I feel like what obviously Arsenal are in a difficult patch right now, but throughout the season we've seen that Arteta wants to control games and I feel like Arsenal have been one of the teams where having like defensive assets is is really worthwhile because it's felt a lot more like they're gonna um, stifle the opposition and then sort of nick a goal or two they're not going to play this sort of free-flowing exciting football the way Klopp's Liverpool does and Klopp's Liverpool might therefore be more open and I guess like the two like examples from both teams would be Arsenal beating Brighton 1-0, where Brighton don't have a single shot until 60 minutes, a team who'd scored in, what, like 25 previous Premier League games. And then the Liverpool-Newcastle game, where Liverpool totally batter Newcastle, but still somehow managed to concede two goals, because they have that kind of openness still. And I guess that's why it's obviously interesting, I think, to... Look, these, these are two teams who are going to finish in the top four, so wherever you're looking on the pitch, there are going to be players who are going to pick up points, but I think they're really neat examples of how you can be biased maybe towards one end of the pitch or the other based on how a team itself is going to play. Because this is the other thing from the Arsenal. We talk about the attacking underperformance, but they're also conceding way more goals than you'd expect them to. So they're in a position where they're being unlucky sort of at both ends.
0: Well, look, Arsenal can take a bit of a break now. We're about to go into this winter break, which isn't really a break because of all those Premier League teams who now have to do their (laughs) FA Cup replays. Uh, But the way that the Premier League have obviously been laying this out for what, the second season now, third season they've been doing this, of playing half fixtures one weekend, half fixtures the other. You kind of get a break along the way. Arsenal certainly will. And they are not playing in the five fixtures that are coming up this weekend. That Burnley-Luton was going to be played on the Monday, has been moved forward to the Friday. I've never seen something change so close. Because of Luton's replay. Yes, because of Luton's replay, Um, but I've never seen something change so close to the date. So Burnley-Luton is going to be the first game uh, that kicks off on Friday, and they're quite evenly spread. I mean, it's one game per time slot, so you don't need to really worry super sub-wise if you're not going to be piling up on on loads. I suppose there could be some, actually, who are, but most people will be fine. And yeah, five games happening this weekend, starting off with that Burnley v Luton, which in... GLWFL, I can tell you. I think I touched on it last week, the transfer window that we just had. We've stocked up on a few Luton players. So there are a few more Luton players in existence in our league. Um, and there may be, it's perhaps better to be having this game at this stage in the season rather than at the beginning in the Fancy League where there would have hardly been any. Um, obviously, Luton been performing a lot better at home. Uh, Burnley are desperately after a result. This could be a really good opportunity for for managers who have Burnley and Luton players in their squads if they do.
1: Yeah, I think this is also one of those games where if you have sort of weekly transfer windows, it's worth going for potentially yeah the, the best sort of Luton or Burnley players because both sides are going to know how important it is to try and get a win. Both sides are going to see this as a game where they can target getting three points. And if you're in a position where you can sort of Swiftly bring someone in and then get them out again, especially if you've got the the Luton replay that you could um, jump off as well. Uh, getting that that extra game against Bolton um, in that that definitely looks quite favourable. But Luton, I like they have really really impressed me. The only thing I will say is I feel like they feel like a very different team when they're at Kenilworth Road than when they're away, and this obviously is away. And I don't really think Burnley have created anything like that at Turf Moor this season. But I feel like lots of Lutons best results have obviously come in front of their their own fans and I for that reason maybe I would lean a bit more towards Burnley on this one
0: Mm. and that thing of transfer windows I used to do it and really focus on defenders to try and get clean sheets obviously we know that this season there haven't been as many but it's look you know I wouldn't know which side to really do that with it certainly is with attacking players I think you would in that game Burnley against Luton um, and on the Saturday, then we kick off with Chelsea v Fulham, the big derby. Jesse, do you hate Fulham? I don't know. Would you? Uh, is it a hate thing? It's not really, is it? But would you? You're not like one of these people who would kind of like not take opposition players, you know? Would you, you? You don't have any Fulham players in your squad, I don't think. Would you take Fulham players in your squad? Are there any Fulham players that have done well over the years for you? Yeah, or is it kind I'm of I'm
1: trying to think if I have have ever had Fulham players in my squad. Like it's not it's not a personal like thing. A it's just they're not thing. very good a lot of the time. So <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> I think that's also why I never have felt really felt a serious Chelsea Fulham rivalry. I guess I've sort of grown up where for me personally Arsenal always feel like the team that I really want to beat across the season and you know more like competitive games I guess like even like Liverpool for a long time. So, uh, but my girlfriend is a Fulham fan, quite a new Fulham fan. So very, We're excited job. for Fulham this
0: and Hodgson fan.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> oh yeah, she she loved watching Palace Everton um, just for just for the away cam. Um but I think this is really interesting. Chelsea I feel like in such an interesting place right now. They've obviously got the Carabao Cup semi-final against Middlesbrough and Fulham have Liverpool. So both sides are going to play midweek before this. And it will be interesting to see how they... I think both will want to prioritise the semi-final, but Chelsea are in a position where they're obviously playing against Championship opposition, whereas Fulham are going to play the team who are at the top of the table. Now, how much Klopp thinks about how he wants to set up Liverpool against Fulham? And the interesting thing here is Fulham playing in the FA Cup on Friday... And play again on Wednesday, whereas Liverpool obviously played on Sunday and played Wednesday. So Fulham have a little bit of an advantage there. And we're Um, going to
0: hear all about it from Jurgen Klopp, no doubt.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, But Chelsea, it feels like they've had a lot of games where they've not been very good, but they've started getting results. And I think this was even true against Preston in the FA Cup in the first half. They were pretty dire. Um, They created like two good chances, missed them both. Um, But had no control of the ball nothing you'd expect against a team who are performing pretty poorly in the championship and then sort of in the second half they the, they scored their first um bro got one and it sort of just opened the floodgates a bit and and from then on chelsea looked very very comfortable and they obviously ended up finishing four nil winners and it's put together like a pretty nice run where they've only lost one of their last five but almost all of them have been against Mid-table teams. Sorry, Chris, for including Crystal Palace in that. Um... Thank you for thank
0: you for calling the mid-table. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but then they've got Middlesbrough, Fulham, and Middlesbrough. So I feel like they all sort of fit the same pattern, and they just—I guess it just feels like at the moment maybe there's this opportunity where it's just a bit of a confidence booster to to be getting wins, even if they're not playing well, because the opposition just aren't quite near the level. And I think you could tell that Pochettino is really taking. The cups seriously in terms of the team he put out against Preston, and I think that will also be true for the Carabao semi final. So, I don't know how much of a hangover there'll be from those two games against Fulham.
0: There's also obviously the question mark now that we're into January whether Chelsea will be delving into the transfer market. We spoke about Ivan Tony earlier in the episode. It seems unlikely for me that Ivan Tony, I mean, it looks like Tony's going to stay at Brentford, Um, Mm. but if he was going to go, it kind of wasn't too sure about those links to Chelsea. Newcastle Man City also takes place on Saturday. The big news in the FA Cup this week, obviously, was that Kevin de Bruyne was back, is back. And Newcastle obviously got the result that they needed, uh, but they're still in this situation where they've got a lot of injuries. Players are slowly, potentially starting to come back. But this isn't the game that kind of it was last season or would have been at the start of this season. Is it easy to kind of like. To maybe even go for a predictor here, of of kind of like the score or who like the big fantasy league point scorers will be in this
2: game.
1: I don't know because City just feel City is so it's unpredictable at the moment, and I mean that you've always got like the Pep roulette, right? So it's always very hard to know who's gonna play, and then you get this when with KDB coming back, you're suddenly in this position whereby what we've sort of seen as as being more settled. In terms of having Haaland, who obviously isn't fit at the moment, but play sort of ahead of Alvarez and then have Phil Foden sort of in the midfield as well, that's all presumably going to change. And there's the opportunity to have Alvarez as the striker and Foden in behind, which is sort of what they've moved to. But then KDB returns, and you're like, well, is there a possibility that Alvarez and Foden aren't necessarily going to feature at all once Haaland and KDB are back? Um, And obviously, as an Alvarez, they haven't even mentioned Bernardo Silva right exactly so obviously the more players they get back sort of the more and and knowing pep it like they, they they won't land on one solution we will see these players come in and out of the team especially because i think with kdb this isn't someone who they're going to want to like rush into the team and i don't think really as amazing as he is they need to rush him into the team um but it definitely adds a bit more of a complication. You know, I've, I I picked up Alvarez assuming he would be Haaland's backup, but just, you know, when Haaland was at Dortmund, he could never stay fit for a whole season. And I was amazed he did it last year. And I was like, there's no way. Like, I I thought there'd be a period of time where he'd be out the team. And so I was surprised that Alvarez has got as much time as he has. But this, again, is just like, it makes it so hard to predict what exactly Pep, how Pep sees players and what he's going to do with them in his system.
0: Yeah, Haaland obviously wasn't in the squad in the FA Cup but probably will be in the squad in this game this weekend. And yeah, look, as a what I said at the start, I wasn't didn't really have that many players playing. I was kind of happy that Bernardo Silva wasn't as involved because you kind of like have the feeling maybe he's being saved for something, but but you're right, you never really know with with Guardiola um what he's gonna be doing and how much he's gonna be changing things. And also is this the time point in the season where he suddenly he's come up with his grand solution. Alvarez will be playing at left wing back or something you know we kind of like we're hitting that 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 period of the year where anything could happen um there are two other games I know we didn't really touch on Newcastle there but there are two other games as well Everton v Villa and Man United v Tottenham but to start Everton v Villa again that's another situation for me in the FA Cup where I had players who weren't necessarily playing who were resting I still feel really bad what I said about Calvert-Lewin. He obviously will not be playing in this game uh, against Aston Villa. And we spoke about the transfer window earlier. You know, Tottenham, and as a Chelsea fan, I don't know what thoughts you have on this, but Tottenham look like they've agreed that deal with Timo Werner. Uh, Is he he in the same sort of conversation of the players we were talking about at the start? Kai Havertz, Darwin Nunez. Uh, Are we about to see some new fresh XG stats uh, records being broken if he goes to Tottenham?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel very, like, conflicted about Werner at Tottenham in terms of, like, whether it's a good deal or not. I think for Spurs, it is a good deal because I feel like they just need some more bodies. From a fantasy league perspective, I think, to a certain extent, there is... And Bostokoglu is, like, the best best Premier League manager Werner could go to in terms of playing that kind of direct, quick football, which is going to suit Werner. And there were obviously points at Chelsea where even... Though he and this is the sort of fancy league problem, he was like a nuisance. Even though he wouldn't sort of score or assist to get you points, but my concern is is that he was doing that Chelsea coming off the back of this amazing season with Leipzig, where he earned this big move, and even though he wasn't playing very well, it still felt like at least early on his confidence was quite high. Now he's gone back to Leipzig, he's not been able to do it in the Bundesliga again, and he's going to come and give a, a go again in the Premier League. It feels quite risky, and I also think that even if... I mean, he might be worth looking at for while Son is away, but once Son is back, you'd have to assume he's going to sort of be impact player off the bench rather than someone who's fought his way to be in, in the first team.
0: Yeah, they've got... I mean, the... From from another fancy league perspective, they've obviously got a small squad, obviously mainly because of injuries. You mentioned Son there as well. Trying to think who they've sort of like nailed down when Son's back. It depends how well Richarlison plays. Kulisevsky is someone that I mention often that just sort of like plays non-stop, plays like, they're, they're one of those attacking players away from like a kind of a bit of a crisis. They're kind of running out of options. So you're right, it could be a squad thing. And it's whether he is up for that himself right does he want to come at what assurances has he been given um but he's absolutely got an opportunity now to come and 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 to do something immediately for tottenham so yeah tottenham's upcoming fixture list is quite good if i was if i own tottenham players find tottenham defenders i'd be looking at brentford you know look quite a few home games kind of that is not impossible here so yeah just the five games um it'll be a strange weekend jesse because um There won't be as many points flying in. I can't see many records being broken any 30-point weekend. It'd be quite amazing if there was. And obviously there are those League Cup games that you mentioned that are happening in midweek, which may impact things injury-wise, form-wise, we'll have to wait and see. And then we'll be looking ahead to the other five fixtures next week, where there are some other teams that have been impacted by things already. I mentioned injuries there. I mean, West Ham look like they've had quite a few. They'll be happy with this short break that they've got. Um, But yeah, we'll see you next week to discuss uh, those other five games. Um, In the meantime, please do get in touch in all the usual places and we'll see you in part two.
1: So in part two, we are joined by Chris Boyce and Mark Hawthorne in our first... Um, across-the-sea guests, I believe, both coming from Northern Ireland and have said they, they think they might be the only fantasy league participants in, in Northern Ireland. Is, is this what you guys are laying claim to?
3: I think so, yeah. We don't know of any other leagues um, in, in Northern Ireland, so, yeah.
1: And you're, you're so popular in Northern Ireland, you have to have two leagues.
3: <laughs> yes, yes, we have 19 managers uh, split across two two leagues this year, victims of our own success.
1: How's that work for you guys? How, how have you gone about that? Because I'm not sure if we talked to anyone yet who, who have sort of, or certainly not two leagues in the way that you guys have decided to do it.
3: Yeah, so we've been running for about 10 years. Um, and we've always had, you know, maybe between eight eight and 12 managers. My, I always find, or I always think that my role as, as chairman was to, to make sure that the managers from this year, they... Um, and then try and recruit one or two just in case you know other people leave and what have you. So it's worked quite well. But this year, nobody left from last season, and I ended up over-recruiting too many managers. So we couldn't fit – I think 16 was the maximum um, in a in a league. So we went for uh, – we had to get 19 then uh, in the 16, so it, it made sense then just to have two leagues. And it, it just came out of the blue, so we, we couldn't even have promotion and relegation from – from the previous year, because that would have upset a few managers. So we went for just a, a random draw on auction night and put everyone into two leagues. And it was auction
0: night then, so you had two separate auctions happening on the same time. Were, you in, were they in person? Yep. How, how did that work?
3: In person. Um, so, yeah, they were in my house. <laughs> so we had one, one in the, the sunroom, one auction going off in the sunroom, one auction uh, in the living room with two auctioneers. That was fun.
4: It was it was quite fun to kind of debrief at different points during the night how people were getting on. <laughs> Chris and I ended up with, uh, we're in the same league, but uh, it was quite interesting. The other league spent a lot more than we did. We were all a bit more conservative in ours, so we we're coming in and comparing prices for who got who at what price and all that kind of stuff. So the other league were more so the big spenders, and we were all a bit more conservative. Maybe with regrets now because hardly no, I don't think anyone spent their budget, you know. But it was it added it added an extra something to it on the night. Although there's obviously cons to it, there's people who you've been in a league before with that you're now not in with. But there's new people who have come in, so um, it certainly is a little bit different from previous years.
0: So it's quite a last minute decision. I think you've actually done well um, by deciding to go for two separate leagues. For me, I think ten is the op is the kind of like probably the best number. So to kind of like be around ten is a lot better than doing a, a much smaller one or, or a much bigger league um, in terms of player availability and, and being able to get good deals when, when you do do transfers. Um, but seeing as it was done so last minute, have you thought already about next season and are you tempted by the promotion relegation possibilities?
3: I'll put it out there to all the managers to, to see. Put it, it out to the whole of Northern Ireland,
0: Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Listen,
3: to, if, I, if I've learned nothing as being chairman, um, you have sometimes got to take a decision rather than offer a decision and um, with 19 or 18 other managers it's yeah you'll get lots of opinions and lots of views so it's tough enough to book auction date the date for the auction um, so having to marry that in with uh, deciding how to run it next year would be would be too much Herding cats I- is, is a phrase that uh, I've learned um, as organizing all these books too.
0: Well, you've made a rod for your own back because i also like the idea now that you've done this shout out to the whole of Northern Ireland, and that on auction day you'll just have this massive queue of people outside <laughs> the front door, and you'll be like, right, we've got one, two, splitting them all up. I think we've got ten. You'll have like a ten leagues running. You'll you'll be started off like a whole separate the like, first dynasty, true you know?
1: fantasy league pirate py- football pyramid. Exactly, <laughs> I think. <laughs>
4: Chris, I oh, mean, man. I I think you've got the capabilities as a chairman to handle at least twenty leagues, so I think that will work well.
3: I don't think I've a house big enough to host them all, though.
4: No, that's true. That's true.
1: Um, Mark, you've been very successful, haven't you? You're you're the you're the man to beat in in this these d- double leagues.
4: Well, yes, I was champion last season, so I've done it ten years. Uh, this is my eleventh year, so one five. And then I have a couple of other medals, but they're not important because they're not gold. So, five wins, and one of those was last year. So, yeah, I suppose coming into it, you feel the pressure of that, you know. You want to try and keep that going. I would love to get over the, you know, at the minute, half of the um, times I've done it have been success, but I'd love to get that over the 50% mark and win this year. But unfortunately, our chairman is currently top of the league.
0: Oh, <gasps> you can see that. Yeah, yeah,
4: and has. We have we we'll have another guy who he just a couple of weeks ago made the decision to pick up all the injured players, suspended players. He got in Kuku and Tony and De Bruyne and all those guys. So um, he's sitting in fourth at the minute. I think I'm third. He's fourth. Yeah, but that gives me a bit of fear to be honest with you. He's got some quality heavy hitters coming back.
0: But Mark, Mark, you're so experienced. You were telling us before we recorded that that you've been before you've been able to win the league from being bottom at the start of the... You know, there are many different ways of winning the league. Yeah. You'll be able to... You've got all the cards up your sleeve.
4: That that was last season. It was a very poor start. And I think that's probably one of the things that is unique about this version of Fantasy League. Like, you, you're playing a long game and just because you get a poor start, it doesn't mean the rest of the season's going to be poor. If you've got good players, like you can you can have players who go who don't start the season well. And we'll finish the season incredibly well, you know. And sometimes you've got to stick with those players. Sometimes you've got to trust that they're going to come good. And that really was a, a bit of my story of last season. The first couple of months, my players just weren't in form, had some injuries. But I always felt I had a good team. Do you know when you just feel like you've got a, a decent team and you've got a, a shout, you know? But the guy ahead of me had had Halland. And um, that just felt like an insurmountable obstacle. <laughs> But uh he, but he got, he, he got married and took his eye off the ball actually. <laughs> he, he went in the Honeymoon and it all, it all went downhill from there. Um <laughs> he was, you know, just dis- distracted by uh distracted by my Life and um it, it ended up that I, I won by quite a margin in the end. So yeah, but I, and again like Chris Chris has won from he's been first since the very first day of the season, all the way through to the end. So it's really interesting the different ways you can win it, you know, but I think the one thing I'd say is it's a long game, you know, It's um, and if you know you've got a bit of quality there, you've got to stick with the quality you have. Some people can make snap decisions and throw people out because they lose a bit of form and that, that can cost you.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that's one of the hardest things just to figure out generally, but, like, specifically to stick to your guns. Um, I think it's very easy as well because of that personal element of in, of the auctions, I think can make it easier as well for it to get into your head that you've made a big mistake. For example, if you've gone for players that other people haven't seemed that interested in, even if you feel like you know it's the right player to land on and then if they don't start well, that's when you start thinking, "Oh, I've made I've made so many mistakes." But I I tend to agree. I do think generally sticking it, it's very hard, I guess especially because you've guys got got such a big leagues as well. It's often very hard to find value in sort of who's available anyway and I think lots of the time people look at the player who isn't doing well and says oh, I don't want them in my team rather than looking at who they're going to be able to get in instead and comparing the value of those two
3: you know on auction a if you've spent you know we have a hundred million pound auction so it's it's good for percentage if you've spent 20 percent of your budget on a player and he's not performing well you don't want to get rid of him because you've spent that money and yeah it's a risk if, if, if you drop somebody in and bring in somebody on a free transfer, will they you know give you a better return on your on your investment? It's a, it's always that thicker twist. Do I really want to lose somebody I fought hard for in the auction night for, for a freebie?
4: To me, you have form players and you have quality players. So a quality player is someone that you know, even if they dip for a while, you know, three out of the season, they're going to get you a pretty decent return. Form players i like to have maybe two or three players that I can play with in transfers. I, I would call those form players, you know, they come in and go out and you don't feel bad about getting rid of them. You know, so I've picked up Juan from Wolves because he's just an incredible form. No one really expected that. If he goes out of form, I'll not feel bad about getting rid of him because he's a Wolves player. Uh, like, I didn't buy him. I picked him on a free. Whereas I've got Sterling sitting there who you just know, even though Chelsea are going to go up and down, he's just a quality player. Like, you know he will get you points in fantasy league in the long term, I think. Um and that a wee mixture of those two, I think, is is good. And having a few players that you know you're gonna hold on to, but a few that you're happy to get rid of keeps the game interesting, I suppose, throughout the season.
0: That kind of goes with my theory. I've always felt that there's a, there's a select number of players who are able to have back to back good fantasy league seasons. And that there are that there are a lot who do not. And actually experience comes with that. So if you kind of like you come in for your first auction and you do your first season and then you're tempted to the following season you know spend loads on Huang for example next season because Bowen could be one that actually starts to chain two or three together and you're like okay, actually this is a quality player but actually but people get really tempted by really high scores from one season to the next but it's hard to replicate that from, well, yeah, yeah. from one season to another yeah I think um, yeah. You, you mentioned transfers as well how do transfers work in the leagues transfers
3: are a being of my life as chairman um we've had We've had people who test the rules and look for loopholes. Uh, Mark, I think, is, is one of the better ones on this. Uh, so we, over the years, we've had transfer freezes, so you can't make a transfer during a game week. Very difficult to manage uh, because game weeks aren't always just you know the the ten Premier League games. There's sometimes it extends over you know, over weekends, and you have Friday games have become prevalent now. At Monday night games, the odd Tuesday night games, so we are having to have transfer windows open and closed is difficult. Um, we toyed with sealed bids on a weekly basis. I don't think we've we've necessarily found the sweet spot. I'm really keen on the the, the buy monthly uh, transfer window that that a lot of folks have talked about on the podcast. Uh, that would just be great. Uh, it'd take a, a big overhead off me. Um, we, we've had situations, and this is where it sort of has arisen. We've had situations where the first match on a game week has been played, so managers have got the points for their players. They've decided to sell, or not even sell. We don't do uh, in in season cost. You know, you, you just lose your your player. You don't get any money back. Um, they've sold those players from the the Saturday twelve thirty kickoff, and they've picked up players who are playing at, at three o'clock.
0: Oh my gosh!
3: <laughs> they've had the so they've got points in the bank. From the twelve o'clock, twelve thirty kickoff, they have then got additional players playing at three o'clock, and then they transfer out the three o'clock players after the three, three o'clock kickoff and they bring back Chris, in. I, the I feel like are talking about
4: me here, Chris. I didn't even <laughs> games. We have a, a monthly quota and the quota for the season, and you can make transfers at your, You know, the player can make their own transfer as long as it's not during a game week, and um, they only. Co- it, it's working okay, I think. The only complexity is some of the new year managers don't understand when game weeks start and when game weeks end, um, and there's just a little bit of work to done uh, to be done and kind of tidying that up. But I think once you get people into their rhythm, whatever the rhythm looks like, once you get them into it, it it's usually okay. Um, and I think that is the thing. Like a, a chairman's job is pretty onerous. You want to try and make it slightly less onerous for them if you can, but that everyone needs to be clued in to to make it less onerous. You know.
0: I'm just going to clip that bit up, Mark, and I'm going to put it out in my WhatsApp group
3: so I can that <laughs> sentence, over and over again. Thank you so much. Well, one of the other things we, we've, we've done in our league is the rules change constantly. So I think I found at the start of the, the 10 or 11 years ago, uh, people got used to the rules. So you had the, the experienced managers were like, "Yep, yeah, we know what to do. Um, and then you got the new managers uh, who came in and didn't know um, so they were at a, a disadvantage. So, so one of the things I've done over the years is just tweak the rules slightly every season. So if we have less managers, I, I think the, the like the team quota changes from two to three. Uh, as we get more managers, you know, we, we keep it at two. We've modified the number of transfers you can have during a season. Uh, we've modified the the monthly quota as well. So I think we're at four or five transfers per month this year. Um, although in the second half of the season, I'm going to relax that. I don't know if I've told everybody uh, or not, but yeah, there's going to be less uh, less quota from February once we get over the January transfer window. We, we find that if you had lots of managers and lots of players, you could sort of have like, you could sandbag players. So as Mark was saying, there about informed form players. Um, I think we're down to 14 players this year in our league. So you've got four subs. And it means that you can't you can't keep a player who's out of form. You you basically got to define those form players and get rid of people who aren't playing. Although for the Afcon, I'm not getting rid of Salah. He's gonna he's gonna sit in my bench for six weeks and, and get no points because if I put him into the free agent pool, somebody will steal him.
1: I mean, I I think that's fair enough. That was sort of the rationale, which I'm now not sure about, of holding on to Christopher and Kunku because I didn't think he was going to take quite so long to come back. But um, I, I got a question about uh, um, the manager who wasn't allowed by his wife to return home until he bought Harry Kane.
3: Well, that, that's, yeah. a, that's a yearly occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I think, uh, I'll, let's just imagine this guy's called Matt. He's been in probably eight out of the, the 10 or 11 auctions Um uh, he hasn't been able to make at least one auction. But yeah, he he's the guy allegedly who buys Kane every year. So all the other managers obviously know this. Um, and he ends up spending a lot of money to get Kane. And yeah, the rumor is he's not allowed to go home unless he's bought Kane. He's not even a Spurs fan. His wife is. He's a, he, he allegedly is a I was going to say, what's the, what's the
1: yeah. connection? Oh, what's the, yeah, that makes sense that his wife's a Spurs fan. I was like, where, where, why is she so obsessed with Harry Kane?
4: Yeah. He obviously didn't have that option this year, so he decided to go for Haaland. And you just know he will not stop um, bidding until he gets the player he wants, which I think is admirable. But it means we can kind of push him up a little bit. But then you do, you always get the sweats, even if you think someone's never going to stop. You just, you do worry that it might happen and you might end up spending ridiculous money. So he is he, always. Being one of the highest spenders on Kian, and he was our highest spender on Holland in our league this year. It's admirable. I think it's admirable. Um, I really do. And as I say, it's he's fourth at the minute, and he's the guy who's picked up some of the the good uh, players who were injured. So I think he's got a chance actually.
0: And are you keeping tabs on both leagues? Or are you kind of like you're just focusing on the one league? I mean, Chris, you obviously you need to be across both, but are you kind of like you said in the auction, you were. What's going on in the living room? Are you still kind of got half an eye on the, the the metaphorical living room to know what's going on in the other league?
3: Yeah, so I keep an eye on, on both leagues, um, and yeah, we've got there are three WhatsApp groups on the go, so we have a main WhatsApp group for everyone, and then we have two separate for the oh, each wow. league. <laughs> um, so yeah, so every every couple of weeks, I'll post an update of you know to everybody. This is you know I, I've taken both leagues and combined them. And said, "Yeah, yeah, this is where you are overall. So you know you're 19th rather than 10th in our league. So it's a split of 10 and 9, obviously. But yeah, it's just keeping all the stats, keeping everybody uh, up to date with what's going on. Who's got who's got what? Um, we have our manager of the month awards, which are just a name. You know, there, there's no uh, <laughs> there's no prizes for manager of the months, other than a, a star, is it on your on the leaderboard? Yeah, so that's good."
4: Remarkably, in the other league that we're not in, there's a newbie who's sitting top and he's doing incredibly well. He's, I think the interesting thing is comparing points, you know. So is is our first position higher than their first position? That's not at the minute. He is top. I think of four hundred and thirty or something, and um, I mean it's for it's his first time ever, and he is playing a blinder. We're not sure if he intended to play such a blinder, but he is, and uh, he's doing really well. But you do, I suppose. Now you don't just want to win your league; you want to win, you know, have the highest points out of both of them, ideally, if you can. Because, or else, how can you, how can you claim you're the the real winner then?
0: spoken like a seasoned winner well it sounds like you've got something really special going on uh in both leagues in this sort of uh as jesse said this this football pyramid that you're slowly building
3: i forgot to say uh, yeah, we have a real a community of fantasy footballers so like we're we're all from the one village in northern ireland and that's where we've got the two leagues from but it's always a family affair my my daughters have done auctioneer for us, um, and wife is-
4: can I just also just say Chris's entire family support me, which isn't very important. No, sorry, his <laughs> wife and daughters do. his sons don't, but that's okay. He right. can't even deny it. It's great.
3: It's it's like the grandparents thing. Mark arrived one night at the auction with football kits, custom made football kits for my daughters, <laughs> and gave it to them, and and that's where he thinks they support him. Uh, <laughs> they they didn't wins, support him last I year. I
4: have well. palace jacket and everything. I'm such a sado, like, but. <laughs> it's always worth it he,
3: he bought two two just sweatshirts um, or sports shirts with a custom logo printed on them and handed them to the kids, yeah, they were thrilled
1: <laughs> amazing that's good quality,
0: that's great Um, I suppose it's a shout out to anyone else in Northern Ireland, if you're interested in joining then get in touch with us at the podcast you can get in touch directly with Chris and Mark uh, let's see what we can build in Northern Ireland, uh, it's great to hear from you and to hear about the leagues. We wish you both luck for um, for the remainder of the season and see, Mark, if you could make it, make it six uh, or if Chris is going to hold on. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> um, and if you'd like to get in touch about your league, you know where to find us at Fantasy League on social media. You can also get in touch on email on podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mark. And we'll see everyone else in part three. <laughs> Right so into part 3 and welcome to the studio Neil Mansfield as ever Neil how are you FA Cup weekend you say it's the busiest in Fantasy League towers well one of the busiest
2: it's not <laughs> yeah it's normally absolutely crazy but fixtures this week have oh this year have worked out quite nicely for the for the third round manual assists were were all really sort of fairly normal so what is normally a chaotic weekend was uh, was relatively quiet.
0: Lovely. And we've just, we've, we've just heard uh, from Chris and Mark in part two from Northern Ireland. They questioned whether they were, well, we kind of decided that they were the only Northern Irish representatives. But as someone who's got a handle over where Fantasy League is played all over the world, were they right? Are there any others? And, and where else do we, where, where, where can we do like a shout out to for people to get in touch? We want to start hearing from more international leagues, I think.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think we should. I think we might. We might have a couple of special guests from Switzerland coming in, in a few weeks, very possibly. Um, but they're not the. I mean, they are very close to being the only other, the only league in Northern Ireland. But there are in fact three in total. So there is one other out there. So um, give us a shout if you are that 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 one other league from Northern Ireland. But we got we've got leagues from Australia, uh, Denmark, Guernsey, um, Hong Kong, uh, Ireland, Israel uh Italy, Malaysia, uh New Zealand, uh Singapore, obviously UK and then quite a few in the states. Amazing. So there's a good spread globally. The
0: original international fantasy league. Guernsey's an interesting one. My wife's from Jersey, uh so I go to Jersey quite often and and, and if someone's from Jersey it means that they hate the people from Guernsey <laughs> and vice versa. I don't know what this means. I don't Maybe you your you wife should
1: start a jersey league and yeah. then they could have a big fight with the Guernsey Fantasy
0: yeah. League. Yeah, get in touch if you're the Guernsey <laughs> League and we'll see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, quite a quiet weekend and then obviously a quite quiet uh, couple of weeks coming up with the, with the winter break, Neil. Um, but some time to, to interact. I know that some managers, well, managers are always in touch with you. Uh, but we've had some managers in touch with us as well, with, with certain questions, queries. What are the big hot topics at the moment?
2: Well, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, when we have a sort of a, a fairly um, quietish sort of period, um, I think it give us a good opportunity to sort of touch on one of the emails that we've had recently which raises um, quite a few interesting subjects. So I think um, let's start with with Paul Cameron's. And he was talking, he's made quite a few points, really, that wanted us to sort of talk about. The first one was about um, now we're back on last year's platform, which everyone in our league prefers. We're hoping to stay on this, I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Um, so I think we've really sort of confirmed last week, didn't we, um, what our plans are for this sort of um, the 24-25 season. We'll definitely be staying on... Uh, this current platform, um, not the one that we moved to at the start of this year. Um, so I think there's a reassuring element for everybody that um, the platform one now will be the one we'll use for uh, next season. And we are, and um, well, we already have made a few little sort of back end tweaks just to make sure that the servers work, you know, better than perhaps they were last year and a few other bits and pieces. So uh, I think there's a really easy answer to that is that, Everyone obviously prefers um, the, the the current platform that we're on. And, and that's the sort of the message that we want to give out to everyone for uh, for next season so that everyone can start planning their auctions accordingly. However, there is, I suppose, one big talking point, which I think all of us should probably have a quick chat on. And that is um, Paul's next point was around. Automatic super subs. Mm. What, 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 with both your thoughts on that? I mean, perhaps the concept of it, you know, works quite nicely. I think, you know, as as we sort of introduced it at the start of this year, it didn't didn't quite work as expected. But I think there's a there's a lot of sort of kudos behind doing an auto super subs. Although, you also have the element of you know it really takes away part of the the skill of the game and the skill being to remember to set your super subs
1: can i say i'm a real og super subs truther from before even this current version i i want it to go back to where you had to click in and out that it didn't even automatically create the team that would be available (laughs) <laughs> then I felt like a real manager more for yeah. my actual team.
0: Giving a little, you, you were giving a little like pep talk to the players individually, as you.
1: Yeah, I'm like, come, you're coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm probably similar in that. Oh, we've got a very strict rule in ours. You've got to do the super subs. I send a reminder out as league chairman, so like I, I send them out to being like, right, do them now for this weekend up until the Monday. You've got to do them, and I encourage people to do the confirmation email. There are some people who, who insist that they that like, what's the point of the extra click? I don't want to do the confirmation. Just do the confirmation email because then you've got it. Because then that's <laughs> the way I say it is that's your only line of defense. If for whatever reason something's gone wrong, then the confirmation email is your line of defense. And yeah, it's something to do, but it's not a, a massive task like it is on FPL where you're kind of like trying to outthink the rest of the league. It's literally just going into your squad, doing the few clicks, and then that's it. I think that there are some people who kind of wish that if you didn't, that... Fantasy League would, would automatically generate something. But I think you you also don't, you just never really want to rely on it, really. You do want to just actively do something. So for me, having to do it yourselves, uh, I think is the most popular in our league as well.
2: No, I agree. I, I think that there's a real element of, of feeling like you're selecting a team, you know, to pick up on Jesse's point, really. You know, you are semi-selecting your team. You can obviously, you know, if you have... You know, defenders. You know, it allows you to drop players out. You can do that. So that I think, I think, you know, if we were to reintroduce that at some point further down the line, you know, we, we we'd have to give serious thought to how that works, you know, properly in the game, and maybe there was a way to sort of, you know, drop that out so that um, you know have a choice as to whether or not you wanted auto super subs or not. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. I think it's it's not something that we're going to put in place. Uh, for for this season, and it definitely won't be something we will have in place for next year. But I think it's a it's a really interesting discussion. So I'd love to hear from from anyone else if, sort of you know whether or not you know auto super subs is something that um, they think should be introduced. So so drop us a line definitely. One other topic that that Paul raised was about um, <laughs> his words are, what on earth is the equation that calculates the global rankings. So. It's it's a really interesting one from a from a fantasy league perspective. We've always really considered the global rankings as a bit of fun, more so than anything too serious. It's it's kind of really difficult to break it down into a, a fair rankings assessment when you have so many different sized leagues with so many different sized squads and so many different variables. But the kind of the context, if I can try and put it into a context we basically take a lots of things into consideration it will hugely favor teams you know with five team leagues with a squad size of 18 so there are some sort of weightings that are considered when we sort of put the algorithm together and the algorithm actually has been in place i think probably for 20 odd years in terms of the, the actual rankings but we will look at the number of points you know that are scored by um, a team over a certain period, whether or not that's based on a sort of a week, a month, or a season. And then we multiply this out by various multipliers. Um, So it is quite complex. I think probably the easy thing to do is I might even consider going into publishing the actual algorithm so everyone's got an idea of, of, of how it actually works. And I think once everyone saw it, You know, they might get a sort of an idea as to the the complexity behind it is it picks up um, points, your league size, the number of transfers that you've made, uh, the squad size that you've actually got, whether or not you do weekend changes, um, whether or not you have or the number of transfers that you've actually made during a a weekly period that then applies, you know, a calculation. That calculation is then rejigged. So it it is quite complex, um, and it's done as fairly as we can possibly do it. In that respect, I'm not sure whether that answers the specific question. It sounds like I was rambling a fair bit This is very
1: relevant because this morning Chris from my league said that he had a bit of time on the train, so was looking up everyone's ranking. And Chris Pilau, who he included, is 172nd.
0: (laughs) I am. But I've got to. I've got two managers ahead of me. Well, credit to the algorithm because I'm second, but the player who is third is ahead of me. But Neil's algorithm will reveal as to why. Uh, but the person who's <laughs> top of our league is actually number is 78th. And tough. I was looking at, and then suddenly just something popped up there. The Guernsey Galacticos are at 69. Michael Leclerc. One of the people I've shouted out. That is also quite interesting looking at this list because you can you can have a look at people's you can click into people's teams and it's Paul Sylvester, Erling, Laureus, Brostuds who are top at the moment. It is quite an interesting thing to click into. So I think a bit more info on the algorithm would be useful and interesting, Neil. But like you say, it's not really something that's taken that seriously because the great thing about our league, our game here is that, you know, it's kind of your league. It's about your league. But it is quite interesting, just like it is with the European, to click into these every now and then. Um, also, I think, Jesse, we might have to run our eyes down this list every once in a while and kind of maybe rate people's teams and certainly rate people's team names, mm. some of which are atrocious. Yes. I, th-
2: I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's important, especially as... We're beginning to sort of highlight those teams that are, you know, moving up the rankings and are, you know, a high score is in, in you know, in the overall league. So I think it's, it's worthwhile that I just provide, maybe I'll just do a quick blog over the next couple of weeks that gives an example of the algorithm and how that works in, in actual real terms. But I do, I do want to end on the point on that, that, that it is a bit of fun. But yeah, I agree. We, let's try and provide a little bit more clarity on that. So leave, leave that one with me. And who ate all
0: the pies, uh, Dave Cable? Was a funny name. The first person who introduced it a few
2: years ago. He doesn't play in the Premier League anymore, so change it. (laughs) So, so by way of rounding off very quickly, I just wanted to sort of uh, give a shout out to Andy, my He's our current chairman. I think a couple of you probably spoke to him over the last couple of years. He did also help out on uh, on what he used to call auction support and now manager support over the last couple of years. And he got what we sort of what we call in our league is a bit of a full house. Um, his his defensive unit um, got a complete uh, clean sheet. Um, so from Petrovic in goal through to Cash and Porro as his full-backs and Dzazi and Anderson, um, not only did he get clean sheets across the board, which I think is fairly rare these days, but both Porro and Cash picked up goals So Andy, uh, big shout shout out to yourself. Fair play. That's uh, that's absolutely massive total in the FA Cup. So congrats on that. Unheard
0: of that this season. Never to be repeated, I don't think.
2: I think it's quite rare. I think that's really rare. I'd love to hear if anyone else managed uh, managed that. Because you're looking at Villa, Chelsea, Palace and Spurs... Um, so um, let's see and, and especially in a season where so few clean sheets have been given really interesting that there was a, a high number awarded or you know managed in the FA Respect Cup Respect
1: Liverpool as well Neil please
2: Yes well I've got to be really careful on Liverpool I They really did give the clean sheet I, not... I think it's
1: okay to say that
2: <laughs> They did but I've just sort of given away my, my team of choice so uh, I was uh, I was going to sort of sit here and sort of do a bit of uh A rant on Arteta and his 29 players and £680 million spend. But I wouldn't do that, you know, when Liverpool have just scraped away with a 2-0 victory at Arsenal over the weekend. So I will... Well done. Very restrained with you.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, the other Chris, Chris Boyce and Mark, for joining us in part two as well. As always, guys, you can get in touch with us on podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk or at league. And we will be back with you next week.